Welcome. You're listening to the Equine Photographers Podcast, the place to learn from top equine professionals around the world as they share their experience and knowledge on what it takes to be an accomplished equine photographer. Now your hosts, Peter DeMott and Gigi Embricks. I've known Charles for many years, probably 10 or 15 years. And uh, he's always been helpful and interesting to talk to when I've had opportunities to speak with him. I really appreciate uh, his Facebook feed because his images end up on my page frequently and inspire me greatly. Um, And it just seems like every time there's a new picture, it's better than the last, which just amazes me. Charles is in California in the Apple Valley area. So, Charles, what we do, we start these out with a little, uh, a bit about your story. Uh, I know you've had some bumps in the road over the years and some disappointments, but now you are in a different place. And how did you come to photography and how did you come to horses? And so, just kind of give us your story. All right. Photography started for me, I guess, not necessarily as a passion, but back when I went into the military and went to Vietnam, I got over there and saw that beautiful country. And, you know, while it was war-torn and and there was fighting going on all the time, uh, it was still beautiful. And I wanted something to try to collect a few pictures of the beauty that I saw back then. So I bought my first camera and I was in a helicopter unit. So I got to fly all over the area that I was stationed in and gave me lots of opportunities to do that. So it kind of began there. But after I came home from Vietnam and got out of the military, I was married. Things went along for three or four years and then then our kids started coming and and when they were little I just wanted pictures of them that I couldn't get in any of the studios locally because I was there with them you know all the time nearly and I just wanted to capture that so I picked the camera up and started taking pictures again when they came along and did that for three or four years and then started getting more and more into it and a few friends saw the pictures I was taking and started asking me to, you know, take pictures of their kids like my kids. And that kind of put a fire under the interest part and the passion, too, because I started realizing, you know, maybe this is something I ought to think about doing. And I began to learn more. And fast forward to about 20 years, I had a part-time photography business doing portraits and weddings and sports pictures and things like that in the mid 80s and I needed to make a decision to either quit the job that I had or quit photography because it was hard to do both of them with very much passion and you know my kids were becoming teenagers and I wanted to be around them and and have more time with them so I quit photography at that time as a business anyway and a few years later both of the kids became juniors and seniors in high school my daughter I I think Wendy was uh, she was 15 
and her 16th birthday, you know, for a girl is always pretty important, especially for a dad that loved his kid kind of like I did and wanted to give them everything that they wanted. But we lived in the city and she loved horses. So for her 16th birthday, I decided we're going to take her out and take her up to North Texas to where all the the horse ranches were. Uh, they used to call that horse country USA because of all the breeding farms up there and show farms up there. So we went up in that area and was going to take pictures to put on her wall and we got ran out a couple of places cussed out of one of them <laughs> really and, yeah yeah they're like and, what are you doing out here yeah yeah exactly i walked up to there were a group of guys in the barn they, there may have been you know looking back on it i i think that i might have been walking in on a drug deal oh, well that but, would do it yeah but at any rate, we we left and kind of tucked our tails and hadn't gotten any pictures of foals being born. It was the springtime, so. But anyways, uh, we so, stopped for lunch and kind of to lick our wounds a little bit because it was a frustrating day. But on the way to the cafe, we saw a big sign that says, "Welcome, Crosswinds Appaloosas." Visitors welcome anytime on their big sign, and we decided, well, we'll go back there check that one out after we have some lunch maybe we won't get run out or maybe they won't be at home to chase us away and we can say we at least saw the sign that said welcome but we went back over there and saw a young guy out in the barn grooming a horse and pulled up to the barn went in introduced myself and told him what we were wanting to do and he said well these are these are not my horses they're my mom and dad but my mom will be back out here in a few minutes and I'm sure she won't mind but if you'll just wait she'll be back and we can ask her and uh, she came out showed us all of her horses gave me permission to go out and take pictures of her first foal out of her stallion and that kind of began things for me as far as the horse world goes uh, after taking those pictures I took her a couple of 11 by 14 prints back up that I'd cut the background out of yeah way back there before Photoshop and before it was so easy <laughs> and put in a new background on it and uh, she loved them hired me to do pictures of her two stallions wow. and you know I said I don't do this for a living I don't know what I'm doing she said well here's a few books this is what I'm looking for come back up and couple of weeks and we'll take the pictures and we'll see what happens and she loved all the pictures ended up uh introducing me to someone else that traded pictures for for a 16th birthday present for my daughter which was a, a two-year-old Appaloosa filly and that got me into the horse business as a horse person and a photographer because I thought this is easy, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, this is fun. I, I enjoy working with people like this and, uh, you know, that I did that still part time after that for a number of years. And in 1992, uh, the company I worked for was offering an early retirement. I was still way too young to retire, but it gave me the opportunity to leave the company with, with a pocket full of money to go out and do my own thing and I decided to to take it 
and we used that money to get debt free and and paid off our horse ranch and things like that and uh I unfortunately didn't get started with photography at that time because my son was also killed in an accident. Yeah, that so was the part I was remembering. That was a bummer thing. And I, I spent a probably four or five years just doing everything I could to help my daughter get to realize her dream after that. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted her to, to be able to do what she wanted. And I, we built a big 120 foot by 48 foot barn it was a 15 stall barn for her to train out of and to breed horses out of wow that took me a couple of years because it was her and i doing all the building i learned how to weld to to do all that stuff and and you know she was training horses all the time so a lot of the work was on me to do but anyways we got it built after a couple of years and she started that and she was going through a John Lyons certification program and we had met him a couple of years earlier and during that time I took some pictures of her and him and you know kind of gave him a scrapbook and that's really what got me into the the bigger picture of the horse world. I knew you did photography for John Lyons and uh, did that catapult your business? Yeah uh, it I started shooting for him when he started the Perfect Horse magazine. Um, I think that was in 1997 or 98. You know, I shot for him for a couple of years there. And then in 2000, I went started going through a divorce. I think I've told you that, too. Right. And, and that was the big, the big thing. It was something that I didn't know where to turn after that. I'd. I needed to do something with my life, and I wasn't sure. Uh, seemed like photography up to that point had, had been a a way, that, something that got between me and my marriage. But it that wasn't it. After the divorce was final, though, I just looked up and said, "What am I going to do with the rest of my life?" And Clinton Anderson called me and insisted that I had to be the photographer that did his photo shoot for him. And he was still new and getting him getting himself known at that time. And I agreed. I said, I'll do it this one time. And I still wasn't sure what I wanted to do. This was back in 2001, I believe it was. From there, Horse Illustrated called me and then Horse and Rider called me. And I was had, had lots of people after those pictures started being published in ads and things. Hmm. Wanting me to want me to do a photo shoot in Texas for them. You know, I was there and, and, you know, there were lots of photographers there, but for some reason they just started calling me and one thing led to another. And finally, after the, the divorce was final in late 2002, I quit a part-time job that I had with a, a magazine doing ad work for them and, and taking some pictures for them decided that I'm going to let this take me wherever it's going to take me. And, man, the world opened up. It, yeah. It's been been an amazing journey, really. Uh, right. So I see you doing a lot more portraiture nowadays as opposed to just the horses. Has that always been part of it, or is that something more recent that you're – I mean, you just – 
put things on Facebook all the time, and they're always quite inspiring. So, Well, you know, portraits is what I did way back there. You know, that's mm-hmm. what started me. And, and, you know, you can have a lot more emotion, emotional involvement when you're doing a portrait than you can a, a, a shot that's going to be for either an ad in a magazine advertising a particular product or or some training program that you're trying to show something specific in and that's right with john lyons you were always demoing different right, things right. weren't you and and all the other trainers and people that i've worked with and and even the magazine articles they were all about some some training aspect of the horses and i think i got into that because i knew a little bit about horses and had trained and worked with my own mm-hmm. so that made that a little natural but the portrait work is just something that i've decided you know i'm i want to do something that that has more purpose to it and uh even the portraits with people in their horses i want to take it to a place that shows the relationship that people have with them mm-hmm. that that they can have with them and what horses mean to people and and then just everyday relationships right well no i saw that last uh the lady in the uh red dress yeah who had been fighting cancer you sort of blog on facebook do you blog on your website too or just on facebook uh just on facebook right now i'm rebuilding my website Mm -hmm. and uh i've got got it about halfway ready to to set up and put out there, then we're going to move everything onto it, or as much as we possibly can. Facebook's been a, as far as doing the portraits and stuff, it's been a really good tool to reach out to to new clients, sure, you know, gain new clients. But it's also one of those things that we want to tell the story behind a lot of the people that we're working with now. And this this girl's 15 years old. Mm-hmm. And she's been battling cancer, I think, since she was 10 or 11. Wow. And uh, she had had her last chemo treatment two days before the session we had. And it, it wasn't even supposed to be her session. There was there was another girl that I was going to be working with that they were buddies, but she was going to be a high school senior model for me. And... Uh, she ended up not being able to come. They were going to a prom event. I didn't understand all that at the time until I met Genesis. But when I met this young girl and found out her story, my wife and I just fell in love with her and decided we wanted to help her share her story because she was so positive. And, you know, Peter, you understand that most of what's behind me is my faith. Right. And... and uh, when I saw saw and met this young girl, she has the kind of faith at 15 years old that it took me 50 years to develop. It's just been amazing, and I, I we we're going to try to help her share her story and maybe even help her do a book. Wow, yeah, uh, that's cool. And and it it's a really really fun thing. And these things are things that are more purposeful than going out and doing another training article for a magazine right right they have longer value yeah and and this is where my passion really is anyway we've been moving in that direction and you mentioned that 
you thought my work was improving, uh, you know, I I work at it every day. And right. even back in the old days when we were together there on EPNet, I tried to encourage people, you know, it we have only so much talent to work with within ourselves, but it's how much work you put into it that will make that talent go as far as it'll take you. And I work every day at it, and I practice exposure. I, I still do exposure tests all the time just to see if I can't get it a little bit closer mm-hmm. to, to perfect. And I know I don't believe in perfection not as far as human beings go, but we can get it pretty fine and pretty close. And right. that's the foundation that makes our images what they are and we can't well we can't. let me let me ask you this because you do a lot of photoshop work do you, are you still mentoring and doing classes on photoshop or is that from the old website and you don't do that anymore i i had stopped doing it for a while uh there's a group locally here that i i'm involved with that we go out maybe three or four times a year and shoot together and do something together uh-huh. and and i've had some Photoshop classes, you know, for a couple hours at a time to help mostly new photographers and and those people get started. But it is something that I'm planning on. That's one of the reasons for the new website is I want to do more of that. And uh, I've just had to find a format that would fit with the time schedule because I'm a shooter. You know, I I'm a photographer. I. I, you you I seem to put something out at least every couple days or twice yeah, a week or whatever yeah, I, it is. I love the act of doing it. Uh-huh. And if, you know, when you're trying to teach people or mentor people, that that takes a lot of time. And, right. Uh, but I still do it. I do it on a personal level. I've got a couple of people that I help as an individual and go and spend a couple of hours once a week or every couple of weeks with go out shoot with and we go over what they've done and how to improve what they've done and that sort of thing and i love doing that too it's just i can't clone me so right i'm limited by time as to what all i can do but i do hope to do some some larger scale workshops again in the future right you've had a interesting life and you seem to have joy in your life now which is exciting and it shows in your work but as far as your business goes uh tell us about the profit centers of your business and you know when you deal with a client and the different kinds of clients I guess, you know, I'm thinking in terms of, you know, when you go to a farm and you've done these beautiful portraits of two or three people and their horses and their family, what do you end up with at the end of that session in terms of income? How do you build your business? You know, going from doing editorial advertising photography work, Mm -hmm. that's what I did primarily for the first five years that I was doing this. And that's one type of work. And it, you know, it's generally a day rater like for most of the magazines they pay a set amount for this article and plus your expenses and the work that i'm doing now though are for individuals and it's more like setting up a a a portrait business would be i mean right i don't have a what i call a setting fee anymore i i used to Mm -hmm. where 
I show up for this amount and then you start buying this. People get to feeling like you're nickel and dime in them when you, when you add this and you add that. And okay. I, one of the things that I'm, I'm playing with right now with those clients is, is I, I've looked at what the minimum amount that I need to do to go out there and do the shoot and come home with enough money for the time I'm going to spend having put into it. Right, plus your all your Photoshop enhancements. Right, right. Everything involved. And and the Photoshop skills have gotten I've improved them and they're they don't take up very much time anymore. Mm-hmm. Unless I just really want to get creative and sometimes I might spend three or four hours on something, but that's personal work just to learn from. Mm-hmm. But uh the majority of the images I don't spend more than about at the most five minutes on okay and but when you've got 15 or 20 of them 30 of them that you're going to present to a client that that does all add up but i've looked into it and the way that i'm doing it now is they have to purchase a minimum amount so what's what is that minimum and right now it's 250 dollars uh-huh and that that averaged out with about what I was charging before, right. only I wasn't getting a minimum purchase. And one of the things that I think that it's helped as far as with the portrait client is that I'm not saying you've got to pay for this here and that over there and this over here and then this. Well, we take what that minimum amount and you get to buy prints from it. And I've got one print price list that has canvas prints and, and paper prints. Right, and, and that simplifies it, and they can buy what they want, uh, but they do have to buy that amount. And the way that I I sit down with them and I present the pictures to them, though, how do how do you a, do that? Yeah, I am considering doing prints in the future, but right now I take my laptop out with a a second monitor and I let them sit across from me if I'm meeting them somewhere, mm-hmm. and I. I do a little slideshow that's put to music using Lightroom. It's pretty simple, but it it goes through all the images with the music, and that kind of sets the mood for them. And it lets me watch them as they're watching it to to get an idea of what they liked and what they might not like or what what excites them. And after that, we go through the images one by one, and... I let them look at them. I let them talk about them. I don't interfere with it. I just give them the time that they need to think about it, and we just look at them. That usually takes about 10 minutes, maybe 15, and then we'll go back through the second time, and I'll let them rate the images as to how they like them. You know, five is, this is great. One is... uh, not so good or zero is not so good mm-hmm. we, we, we use the rating that Lightroom has so that I can just click on the ones that they like and we can go back to them later right so you're, but, start, you're starting with what 20 to 40 images is yeah that- yeah 25 to 40 I, I, I generally try to have at least 25 okay and that, that'll make a good about two minute slideshow if I've got the right music and and sure. and everything to to go with it, but after they go through them 
and they they rated them. You know, if I paid attention myself and picked out the best one, then they're all going to have a three to five star rating. Right. And we sort them, and we start at the bottom, and we try to. I try to help them to eliminate what they don't like. Generally, they get moved up and not down, but once we've gone through them two times like that, then then we start talking about what type prints do you want, and it's no pressure on them. It's just you know how do you want to how do you want to apply this money that you paid me? So hopefully they don't just stop at two fifty, but right, and and they don't. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that, that, tell us, tell us about was, that. Yeah, that that's what's so cool about this is, and I'm not putting any pressure on them to go beyond that. But by the time they've gone through them and they've rated them and they see, well, I have to have this one and I have to have that one. And since I've been doing this, and I don't have a good feel exactly for where the where the balance is yet. Yeah. But the it's been the sales have not been to. $250 it's been from a thousand to twenty five hundred dollars well that's a that's a nice number yeah yeah I, I feel like for my business to really thrive I've got the minimum that I have to do is, is the two hundred and fifty dollars right yeah you know, that that that's kind of the beginning of, bones, yeah. yeah and then if it goes to 500 then I'm starting to make some money if it goes to thousand I'm doing pretty good right and, and if uh, it goes to twenty five hundred, you're like right. ching. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Time for a steak. Exactly. And, and but that, again, it's no no pressure, and you're not pushing right. them. You're just asking questions, right? Is that, right, and yeah. letting them letting them letting them ask questions, like you know, will this one look good on canvas or this or that, and and. You know, Do you have samples help. of canvases with you when you go meet the clients so they can I, see what they look yeah. like, or what do you yeah. do? Yeah, and I generally take if I meet meet them like at a Starbucks. It's kind of kind of hard, but it it's still I, I believe that the bigger the print you can carry mm-hmm. to show them, the the better it's going to be for you. If you take an eight by ten, that's the biggest thing that they're going to look at, and that's what they're going to think about. So I take a uh, 24 by 36 canvas print with me. Is that framed and everything, or is that a wrap or what? It's a gallery wrap. Right. Okay. And you know, th- you know, because it gets kind of complicated when you're going in to meet them some location. Either at their house would be fine to take big stuff, but right. You know, I, I, most of the work that I do is outside. I don't do it in my own studio, so I have to have to meet them somewhere and, and a 24 by 36 is not too awful big to take into Starbucks but it also gets attention while you're in there yeah. <laughs> somebody will ask you for a card when you're taking the 24 by 36 is that a is that a print of one of their images or is that like a sample print of of someone else like in your portfolio it, it's generally a sample that I have because okay. Yeah, because you, you know, don't know I, what they're going to want, right? I don't know what they're going to want, and you know, I might pick the wrong one to print twenty-four by thirty-six. They might have wanted that one in the sixteen by twenty, and something else in the bigger one, and yeah, you know, that. But I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Sue Bryce. Oh yeah, 
<laughs> okay. I studied I, her religion, even though I yeah. I don't do a lot of portraits, but I'm starting to think that maybe I should. <laughs> so I study her quite well. I think she's a genius for marketing. She is. She is. And that that's one of the reasons that I like studying what she's doing. And, I, and some of these things that I'm doing have come from a couple of portrait photographers I've, I've either bought videotapes from or done a little workshop with. And it's the techniques that they're doing. And I'm not a pressure type person. I, I don't like pressure put on me. I kind of, when I'm out shooting for a client, I find out what they want and I get them what they want. But I also want the freedom to to go after the the thing that I really see and right. capture that. And that that's turned out really well because that's what they end up buying anyway. Now, let, let me ask you this about the, the actual session or pre-session. Uh, I saw one recently that you did where a, a girl was in a white dress, I think, on a beautiful horse yeah. and in a beautiful setting. So are you generally meeting at their farms or are there other places that you have them bring the horse and how do you advise them on wardrobe or, you know, what we're going to do? What's the photo session going to be in terms of, you know, this creativity that I see you doing? The pictures that you're talking about, I did talk to her two or three times, you know, via email and just mm-hmm. back and forth and on the phone. And then then I met with her, went over to look at the area that I had to shoot in. And and it's here locally uh, down in the riverbed. And most people would go down there and they'd go, ooh, I have to do something there. Right. And, and if you've done many farm shot, farm shoots, you, you experience that. Yeah, you have to, you have to find a good spot. Yeah, you have to find that one spot, and then generally you can if you look. Uh, but I love shooting where it's rough and kind of rustic, like it was in the riverbed down there. A lot of down trees and a lot of stuff, and you know they ride their horses down there on those trails. So uh, I went down, looked it over, and she wanted to do it at one location, but it. It was not a good location. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell her, no, we won't do that there. You know, it, you don't want to make the client feel anything negative going on. So, you know, you say something positive and you move on and look for the location that's going to be the very best. And this was the day that we were out there looking. I finally found an area that was long enough that a horse could get into a little bit of a canter that had the surrounding that would probably work if I timed the lighting right. And I think always the key to any portrait shoot or or any horse shot is being able to find the light that's right. Right. And shooting with the focal length that you can deal with the background kind of hide a lot of stuff. And I, I now shoot most of my stuff with a 200 to 400 zoom lens. It's wow. Four. Okay. And I shoot wide open. And that's Two, why the background. Oh, four. Yeah, okay. That's why they, they disappear <laughs> to some yeah. extent. Right. And, and it sure makes it a lot easier. 
uh, you know, but that location was a really, really rough looking area. And you put a beautiful lady on a beautiful horse in an ugly scene and they just pop out of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. You know, it is, it's, and, it's and, about your yeah, subject, not the landscape. About, you're not taking yeah, a landscape yeah. photo. You're taking a portrait. Right. And, and if you can blow the focus out on all that background, it just kind of begins to blend in and softly wrap around the subject. Right. And, and that's what, that's what makes it uh, work. So now when you're doing like senior portrait sessions or other, you know, these young ladies that you've been taking pictures of and posting on Facebook that look like, you know, they might be part of a family session, I suppose, separated out. Are you using additional light or are you just finding the light you have? Um, generally, I use whatever light I've got. And okay, so you're not using reflectors or, or anything? I, I do use a reflector okay. a lot. And I okay. use the, a, it's almost four foot by seven foot because wow. I'm doing, I'm doing horses. And, and my wife comes out and helps me now. So I've got a got help here when I'm local. Your wife uh, is Susan. Yeah, Susan. Uh huh. I saw a picture and, of you on the website. Yeah, she helps me a lot whenever we're we're doing that, and she she really is getting good at finding picking up the light source and and throwing it back in there. But we've wanted to get more consistent with it, and the last two, the girl in the red dress that I shared and, and Amanda, I am using a flash for those. Okay. So how do you set that up? I go out and I meter it for the natural light that's there. I find the, find the place that I could use it even if I didn't have the flash with me. And the flash is just to act, accent the subject itself and make them pop out just a little bit more. Is that an off-camera flash? Is yeah, that, it's an off. It's an off-camera flash. And then, how do you balance that? What what kind of balance are you looking for? Just a hint, or do you tend to light up the subject and go for the exact exposure, or what? I'm trying to darken the background a little bit by basically underexposing what the camera sees. Okay. And generally, uh, it's about three-quarters of an F-stop or a full stop mm-hmm. down. I use the exposure compensation for that to meter it. Okay, you, you use the exposure compensation on the camera on or the, the camera, flash? On the camera. And then I switch everything to manual once I determine what that exposure is going to be. I go to manual on shutter and, and aperture and everything but focus. Uh-huh. And then I introduce the light, and it's it's generally going to be about a 45-degree down if I can and 45 degrees off to one side or the other of the subject. So you have uh, it high on the stand, is that what you're saying? Right. To get to get a little angle, if you look at some of the pictures of Amanda, some of them are really good. I got the angle that I wanted on that. Uh, that one I was out there doing by myself. And I just had it on a light stand, and I was using a beauty dish, and the beauty dish has to be just right for the light to look just right. And I misaimed it a couple of times, so I didn't get 
get exactly what I wanted, but it was still way better than than I needed. So you're using a, like a studio strobe with a battery pack, right? Okay, right. right. Not and, not just the camera flashes, almost, right? Yeah. And I've ordered a kit because you know I don't want to. I can't fly with the whole studio, but right. I, can, I can throw a couple of speed lights in the camera bag with me when I'm flying out, going out of town to do this kind of work. And I want to up my game a little bit with people. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about this traveling. So, you know, you said, well, it's $250, but that's local. So right. I know that you're traveling all over Kingdom Come. It yeah. seems to me you're yeah. Texas and California and this there and elsewhere. Yeah. So how do, how does that all work in terms of the business? Okay. That that's another thing that I'm trying to find the balance on exactly, but I started out a couple of years ago doing this offering something like this and uh, a trainer client wanted me to come and do a day shoot with with her. Mm-hmm. Where that, was that? Up in Washington State. Okay. You know, that's a set fee. Plus, they pay my expenses. They fly me or pay for whatever it costs to get me there, plus a day rate. Whenever we agreed on that, she said, well, I've got a bunch of clients that I know they'd want to have portraits done. Would you wow. do that? Yeah. And I said, yeah, I would. And, you know, that's what got kind of got me into doing more of the portrait type stuff. Actually, it was... It was in 2010 when when this began to happen, and so I, I agreed, went up there, and I didn't know what to charge because mostly I hadn't been doing portraits, hadn't done them in a long time, and you know, I, I'm thinking, look at what everybody else is doing. I'll start off at a 150 bucks. Per and, person? Per person, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, and give them about an hour to an hour and a half session for that. And then they buy what they want after that. And that that was because I'm traveling so much, doing so much of this stuff, that also kind of made it complicated because I couldn't go back and show them previews. And we couldn't have a set down time most of the time. Yeah. So how did so, you do that? So I had to. I I ended up sending small JPEGs and and people ended up liking them, posting them on Facebook. They were semi finished, but they weren't finished. Mm-hmm. If it, you know, they were still just proofs. And I started cringing every time I'd see people post that stuff. And I right. said, "You got to find a better way to do this." And you know, it's kind of that where I started watching Sue and, and doing some of these other things to see what portrait photographers were doing to see how I could come up with a bit of work for me. And now what I do is I try to provide them 25, maybe 50, because when you've got horses involved and and things, sometimes you want to throw in a few extras. But sure. it, it can get up to 50, even 75 if I think I've got some really good shots. But I make a, a PDF file that's a proof book. And it's got... I, so I, are they like yeah, thumbnails yeah. or yeah, well, two by one, threes or what? No, I, I said it so they can't print it. Oh, okay. So it's screen and only. it's locked. So they can only look at it. 
but as they look at it on the screen, the way that I've set it up, and I learned this from another, from a portrait photographer. This is the way he was doing things. Mm -hmm. And uh, I put an overlay that's got the different print sizes and the prices so that they can take the file name and, you know, they've got kind of an order form on that page. And I, I've made it as big as I can to fit on the screen so they can see it better. I mean, I think the better they see things, the more likely they're going to buy it. If they're looking at a little bitty thumbnail, they're not going to order off of that. Right. Ordering off my website never worked for me. Right. It, it just, I mean, I, I never did anything trying to do that. So this gives them a little bit bigger image that depending on the size of their computer and the resolution, they can see it pretty big. Right. And, and it kind of protects them from stealing the pictures or using them. Well, they Anybody, can still do a screen yeah, capture. They can, yeah, they can still do that, but people are lazy. Yeah. And, and and most of them don't do that. A lot of them are not computer savvy enough still to do that. Some of them are, and some of them do. And, you, you know, we're going to be fighting with that forever. Right. If, if we put any kind of digital file out there even on Facebook. Right. And, uh, but that's the way that I kind of solved that problem. And it's been working pretty good. I've been using it now for a couple of years for the out of town shoot. And I'm planning. So do you, do you go on phone with them and go over what they're wanting or well, do you have them look at the PDF or is there an actual order form that they email to you or what? Yeah, I have them look at the PDF, uh -huh. and they go through that. There's an order form that I send along with that that they can fill out. And, you know, if if they don't get back with me, if they don't order, and, you know, it's amazing how many people weren't ordering things in the past mm -hmm. when they got the little small proof JPEG. Okay. that They just wouldn't order. They'd pay me that $150, or and I even raised that price up to to $250 eventually. Yeah. And, and they weren't ordering anything. And for me to really make a decent living doing this, they've got to order. It needs to be at least $500. Sure. To, to really begin to, to do okay with it. And uh, I started looking at these other techniques and other ways to get people, to encourage them to order. So you followed up with people that didn't order with a phone call and say, hey, right. let's go over this yeah. together or what? Yeah, or what are your questions? It, you know, you start off with emails and then, then after a couple of emails, if you get some exchange going with them, uh, then you, send, you give them a call. Mm -hmm. and talk to them and find out what it is because some people are confused about things and if you're not there sitting there that's why sitting down with somebody showing them on your computer screen they never get it in their hand but you're there giving them the opportunity to ask questions and it adds a couple more hours to what you've already spent sometimes sure. doing that but it's been well worth it yeah and so these these over the phone orders are they half as big as your in person or about the same or where probably would half probably about half, half. Yeah, yeah so five hundred to a thousand instead right. of a thousand to two thousand 
Yeah. And I I haven't topped a thousand dollars over the phone or right. you know, doing it that way. But on on the other hand, if you're out there in Washington and how many sessions did you end up doing that one situation? Um the first time I did twenty. Oh my goodness! So was that over <laughs> last, a couple days, or what? Uh, it, that that was over, uh, I think, twelve or thirteen days. Oh, okay. The, the last time I went up there, and I didn't go up there last year because I couldn't get it. I I needed a certain number of people. I I finally decided I have to have X number of people, or it's not worth me going. Right. Yeah. It, especially if they're not going to order. So uh, I I kind of looked at a number where I thought that it would be good and if I make this much money just on the shooting and nobody orders then I I, I did okay so how, how many do you last year I had or the last time I went up I had uh, 47 wow that's a and lot I of work spent, <laughs> yeah I, and I spent almost six weeks up there wow wow Oh. And but you know, and I it wasn't in one location. I I went to three or four different locations. And does it just spread through the internet and emails and stuff? They say, hey, you you know, Charles is coming. We need to set something up. Or well, how, how does that all work? From the from that first client up there, mm-hmm. uh, she had a lot of good friends, and now all I have to do is let people know that I may be coming how many I need and I I post a group on I set up a group on Facebook oh that they can join anybody interested yeah so you're gonna say I'm going to such and such a place and here's a group on Facebook you're welcome to join if you're interested in participating and come there for information and I invite them there I I put I do put the prices you know the basic thing I explain you know what I'm doing you get this for that and uh, have it all set up for them to come in and look at and, you know, decide. I I don't want to pressure anybody or try to talk mm-hmm. somebody into doing something they really don't want to do. Right. And, and uh, But one of the things with marketing is when people start showing interest, when this person does, and they've got a couple of friends that see that they're, doing this and they get to talking about it they want to know how to do it and they come and so they they have their friends they'll probably join their friends to the group right just to see you put up some images there and samples of your work and that sort of thing yeah and and every year that i've gone up there uh at the end of the year before i leave up there somebody throws a big party oh neat kind of a going away party now it's become kind of a traditional thing and uh at the party i try to have a a day or two before the day i'm leaving so that i can put together a slideshow of everybody some of everybody yeah that's great and you know i post i post their pictures every day a few of them on on facebook as i'm doing it they're they're processed real quick like i said they're Mm -hmm. not but they're to my standard and they're not just directly out of the camera. Right. And that that gets people stirred up. People are seeing all the comments and all their friends are seeing it. And that last time up there, I had to, there were about 10 people that I had to say, hey, I don't have time for you. My so rain out just, Yeah, it just kept. Yeah. It people just, kept it, adding. Yeah. And 
and it it keeps growing each year. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I didn't go last year because I couldn't get enough people committed mm-hmm. to going. And so, what is the? I mean, on a Facebook group, what is what does it look like when they are committed? Because I've seen people say they're joining a group or they're joining an event and there might be 20 people joining the event and only two of them show up. Well, (laughs) when they join the event and whenever I see that there's enough people that said, yeah, I want to do this. Yeah. Then I send them a little bill through my website. Okay. Like a PayPal bill. Yeah, a yeah. PayPal bill. And basically, when you pay a deposit, which is 50% of it. Okay, 100, front, 125 or whatever? Yeah, 100, 100, 100. I was charging 100 because I just recently raised it to the 250. Okay. And, and it'll be 150 from now on. Yeah, uh, I need deposit, to, you mean? Right. It's basically a deposit and it's totally refundable until. I make the trip up there. Once I get there, yeah. it's a commitment. And, That's good. I like that. And I I post to that group every year, try to keep it active. Uh, so you don't eliminate the group after the shoot's done? No. Let no, it, I just go let in and float. I delete all the, I delete everything that was in there for the previous year. Right. And Dates and start, times. Yeah. yeah, so we can have something new and whatever comes up now is all going to be new. And that's worked out pretty well for me. Uh, How many of these Facebook groups are you managing right now? uh, Right now, I've got three. Uh uh, One of them is a local California group, and they're they're local in that they're 350 miles away. Uh I've got to drive. I was going to ask that question. I've got to drive. (laughs) <laughs> I've got to either drive or fly up there. Yeah, good, and and I have a minimum number that I'll go up there for. And you'll uh, just plan on staying a couple days or a week or whatever. Right. I, I what I try to do as a general rule is usually there's there's in a group like that there'll be three or four people that are really good friend and buddy, mm-hmm. and they want to do it all the same time or same day. Right. And I tell them I'm going to set aside about an hour to an hour and a half for your shoot. And if three of you come, then I can be shooting with one while two of you is getting dressed and changing clothes if you want to change clothes. Right. And those sessions usually last about three and a half to four hours when I've got three people. And I try to do at least four four people a day. Mm-hmm. Because that won't kill me, and and I've done as many as ten. Mm, that's a lot. But that that's a lot, yeah. And and I do a few incentive type things, like the group up in Washington. There's always somebody that wants to do a beach shoot. Uh huh. And if they've paid for the two hundred and fifty dollars, and they want, and they want it at their place or the local place that I'm staying at. If they want it there, and they still want beach pictures, if I get enough interest, we'll go have a schedule a day or a weekend at the beach right. up there, and everybody gets to come for another $50 a piece. So, you know, I've, I've heard some, uh, let's say, 
crashes at the beach. Uh, there was a one photographer had a Arab horse just swim yeah. out into the ocean and took them three or four hours to get this horse. They had to call the Coast Guard and everything. Right. Yeah. Hey. Are you having any accidents when you're out there? Because no. it's different. No. Yeah. Because I'm a horse person. So you know, yeah. And it, and the the first thing is is I know the people before I let them go. Right. As a general rule, I've taken pictures of them. These people up there, they're not, we're not doing a they're photo not. workshop right. with with people that we're turning a, an Arab stallion loose on the beach to get <laughs> pictures of. Okay. I, I won't do that. Yeah. Uh, but I have had people get out there. One, The lady that started all this up there for me, the trainer, she has Rocky Mountain horses and she's an excellent rider and trainer. And I mean, you, you know, you'd think that she'd never get hurt, but, and she hasn't been, mm-hmm. but she's careful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we were out there and she wanted to, she wanted to get this one shot out in, in the water, the deep water. She wanted it up to her horse's chest and, and up to her knees nearly while she was horseback. Yeah. And she rode out there and, uh, she got got so far and she went to turn around. Well, she her timing was off. She was headed out into the waves going out. But when she turned, there was a big wave come and hit her and flipped them both upside down. Oh, no. <laughs> and, 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 you know, nobody was hurt, neither yeah. her or the horse. And she got back up and got back up on him. And the, we went ahead and did it. She was soaking wet. That's funny. And, yeah. But that's the worst thing that's ever happened because I try to be careful and I talk to people. I try to let them know we're not going to, I don't want you to try anything new for the first time. Right. Well, the only question I would like, I think that would be useful for our audience is what would Charles say for, um, you know, photographers starting to get their career off the ground? What, what would you be your best advice to them? Good what, question. What do you think they should yeah. do? That that's something that uh, I I ask myself how to answer every day because I do have a lot of young people, a lot of retired people that that want to do this and they want to do it as a business, but they don't quite know how to start. The first thing is is you have to start out with having a great foundation as a photographer. Yeah. You have to know what you're doing. The the product that you're selling the, has to be of professional value. Right. And and you have to be able to to go out and consistently do it. It's not something that you can do get a good shot at every thousand pictures, you know. Yeah. Right. You've you've got to be able to provide a client with thirty five or forty good pictures, really good pictures. What about uh, what about networking? Are you in a in a group? Uh, you said you had some friends, but is there a PPA group you're in or anything like that? Uh, I I'm in a bunch of uh, Facebook groups. You know, okay, that, that's been been something. I you know I was a member of EPNet for five or six years and uh, decided to take a break away from that. That was a good group. Um, yeah. To to start out with, I don't know how they're doing now because I'm I'm not a member of it anymore. Right. Yeah, I've I've been going through your Facebook page and and your work is inspiring me. It's beautiful, just beautiful. Right. Thank. You. Yeah. I 
I try to make it inspire me too, so that I'll get up tomorrow and try to do better. Yeah. You know? Well, you're doing pretty good, I think. So we would like to encourage our listeners, uh, you out there, to uh, make some comments about this particular blog post when it uh, goes live. Tell us what your takeaway from the interview is. What is it that was the one thing that you can implement? in your photography uh, to make it uh, better than it was before. We also encourage you to uh, make comments on iTunes about this podcast and uh, visit us on our website at www.equinephotographerspodcast.com. Thank you for listening and we look forward to having you back with our next interview. Thanks for joining us for the Equine Photographers Podcast. We hope that you were inspired to grow and improve as an equine photographer by listening today. Join us for the next episode to learn, grow, and be inspired as we interview some of today's outstanding equine image makers.